holy and righteous and heavenly Father. Thank you, Father, for the scriptures. Thank you for the solid foundation that we can receive in our lives spiritually if we live by your scriptures, if we live by the teachings of your son, Jesus, who is the foundation and the rock of our faith. I pray, Father, that you will bless the study, bless us as we wrap up this series on the parables of Jesus. I pray, Father, that we've all been enriched and that our faith has been strengthened over the past few weeks as we have studied the powerful teachings of your son, the most powerful teachings in the history of the world. Thank you for sending your son to this earth to give perfect teaching to give his life as a perfect sacrifice on the cross. Bless us, Father, as we strive to serve him every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. Good evening, dear friends. If you have your Bible with you, and I certainly hope you do, if you're sitting in front of a, a computer right now, if you have your laptop or your iPad, or maybe you're sitting in front of a, a desktop, uh, I want you to get your Bible out, and I want you to go into your New Testament. I want you to go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. I want you to park yourself right there at Matthew chapter 7, with the exception of a couple of other times for the majority of this study. We're going to mainly be right here in Matthew chapter 7. Here in Matthew chapter 7, we find some of the concluding thoughts that Jesus gives in his very famous Sermon on the Mount. You're probably familiar with the fact that the Sermon on the Mount, that in the Gospel of Matthew covers three chapters. It's Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. That sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is commonly referred to as the most famous and most powerful sermon ever preached in the history of the world. It is a beautiful sermon. It is a sermon where our Lord deals with many important aspects of authentic discipleship. This sermon is about authentic discipleship. It is about the qualities that we must develop and possess in our hearts and our lives if we are truly going to be people of Jesus. And so I want you to notice just a few of the things that Jesus says in this sermon. Particularly, I want you to notice what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 7, in the last part of this sermon. Let's start with what we find in the first six verses of Matthew 7. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Jesus talks about judging. Do you see that? He talks about judging in the first six verses of Matthew chapter 7. Particularly, he talks about the sin of hypocritical judging. He doesn't say that all forms of judging is wrong. I mean, if that was the case, then we couldn't do what he says in verse number 6, where he says, do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. And Matthew 7 and verse 6 is my understanding when Jesus says, don't give that which is holy to dogs. 
and don't cast your pearls before swine, there Jesus is telling us not to spend our time teaching the holy gospel to people who have hard hearts and don't want to hear it. Jesus says, don't try to force feed people the gospel when they have hearts that are determined to reject it. Jesus says that those people are dogs. Those people are pigs. I think we can all agree that to be able to recognize the dogs and the pigs among us, we have to make some judgments. We have to judge as to whether or not the people we're trying to reach with the gospel really want to receive it or if they have hearts that are determined to reject it. Obviously, based on this verse alone, Jesus is clearly telling us that there are times when we as his people, we have to make judgments. We have to do some judging. In fact, in John chapter 7, and verse number 24, there Jesus says that we should not judge according to appearance, but instead we should judge a righteous judgment. Jesus gives us authority to make some judgments. But what he doesn't want us to do is he doesn't want us to be involved in hypocritical judging. Someone says, what is hypocritical judging? Well, hypocritical judging is when we is when we go to someone and we point out a fault in their life, we tell them that what they're doing is wrong, but at the same time, we're also guilty of doing that same sin. It would be like me coming to you and, and telling you that drinking is wrong. That is not the way a disciple, or that is not a practice that a disciple should engage in, but then I go home and, and I'll go up down a six-pack. You see, if I tell you drinking is wrong, but then I go home and go up down a six-pack or a 12-pack, guess what I'm involved in? I'm involved in the sin that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 7. I'm involved in hypocritical judging. I am telling you that something is wrong, but I'm not first evaluating myself. I'm not first making sure that I am not engaged in that same sin. That's the kind of judging that Jesus is condemning in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. In Matthew 7, verse 1 through 6, Jesus says in verse, verse, number, verse number 2, for in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye but do not notice the law that's in your own eye. Hypocritical judging. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye and behold the law is in your own eye. You hypocrite. Hypocritical judging. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck. Then I can take the speck out of my brother's eye. And so before coming to you and pointing out sin in your life, I got to first make sure, I got to first make sure that I'm not engaged in that same sin. Jesus condemns hypocritical judging. But then when you go to verses 7 through 11, here in Matthew 7, Jesus talks about trusting God. Trusting God. He talks about seeking God. Seek the Lord. He talks about finding God. He talks about knocking on the spiritual door of God through prayer. He, he talks about making supplications or requests to God through prayer. He talks about how God desires to, 
to, to bless his children with great gifts if they trust him enough to ask humbly for those gifts. We actually studied a parable that had to do with this subject when we studied the parable of the persistent widow. And so Jesus talks about trusting the Lord, making requests and supplications to God through prayer. That's verses 7 through 11. And then when you move on to verse number 12, Jesus gives a very famous statement about how we are to treat one another. He talks about the standard that I must follow when it comes to how I treat you and the standard that you must follow when it comes to how you treat me. In Matthew 7 and verse 12, you can probably quote the verse there. Jesus says that we are to treat other people in the same way that we want to be treated. Wouldn't you agree that the world would be a better place if everybody just followed that one verse? Wouldn't you agree that that verse is the key to ending prejudice and racism and hatred and favoritism, partiality, ugliness, rudeness, selfishness? Jesus says that he expects his people to treat other people in the same way that they want to be treated. If I want people to treat me with respect and love and kindness and don't be rude and ugly and inconsiderate towards me, then guess what I need to do? I need to make sure that I show those same things, those same godly qualities to other people every single day. I need to treat other people right because I want them to treat me right. That's a principle that every disciple needs to strive to live by every single day. And then in verses 13 and 14, Jesus talks about spiritual paths. He talks about the broad path, the big path that many people are on that leads to spiritual destruction. And then he talks about the narrow path that just a few are on that leads to eternal life. Here in those verses, I submit to you that Jesus is, is telling us very frankly that there are going to be a lot more people lost than saved. Jesus makes it very clear, verse number 13, that when it comes to the narrow gate, that gate that leads to heaven, he says that there are just a few who find it, verse 14. But when it comes to that wide gate that is broad that leads to destruction, at the end of verse 13, Jesus says that there are many who enter through it. There Jesus is telling us that there are going to be a lot more people lost and saved. And you know, that really shouldn't surprise us to find the Lord saying that because you search the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament and you, and, and you see that, that going back to the time of Israel, there's always been just a small remnant of people who have decided to faithfully serve the Lord. Going back to the time of Israel, going back to the time of the prophets, the vast majority of people have always decided to reject God, to reject his standard, to reject his word. There's only been a few throughout the history of the world who have decided to put the Lord first. The question is, will you be part of those few people today? 
Jesus says, don't look at the majority and think just because the majority are going a certain direction that that automatically means they're right. Jesus says the majority of people are on the wrong path. They're on the path to hell. It is the minority, the small few. Those are the people who are on that narrow path that leads to eternal life. Jesus talks about the broad and the narrow paths. In verses 13 through 14, and then he tells us in verses 15 through 20 why so many people are on the wrong path. It's because of false teachers. It's because they're listening to the wrong people. They're listening to people who have perverted the teachings of the Lord. In verses 15 through 20, the Lord talks about false teachers. He talks about how we can recognize false teachers. He says that you can recognize a false teacher by his fruits. By his fruits, that is, by the things that he's teaching. He says just like a tree, a good tree will produce good fruit. A solid and sound teacher of God's word will also produce good fruit. He'll make sure that he stays within the boundary of the scripture, but just like a bad tree produces bad fruit, a false teacher will produce bad fruit when he doesn't stay within the boundary of the scripture, when he teaches things that are clearly contrary to scripture, when he says things like, well, you can be saved by just faith alone, or there are many paths to heaven, or it doesn't matter when you get a divorce, it doesn't matter if you want to marry someone of the same sex or get an abortion or it doesn't matter what church you attend. When you hear people say things like that, when you hear a preacher say things like that, know that that person is a false preacher. He's a false teacher and he's a false teacher because he's not producing good fruit. He's not teaching things that are in line with the sacred text. You see, one of the reasons why so many people are on the broad path that leads to destruction is because they are listening to workers of Satan. They're not listening to God. They're not keeping their minds in the scripture and, and examining what a person says based on the scripture like the Bereans did in Acts 17 and verse 11. Instead, they're putting their trust in the words of men. They're putting their trust in false teachers. And Jesus says that we can recognize false teachers by their fruit. And so we got to keep our eyes open. We got to keep our ears open. And then Jesus has some things to say. He continues this idea of broad path, narrow path, making sure you listen to the right sources. He continues this idea of eternal life in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, by talking about who's going to go to heaven, who's going to be saved. According to Jesus, those who are going to be saved are people who are more than just believers. There are people who do more than just call Jesus Lord. There are people who are more than just religious. They do more than just a bunch of religious things and attach the name of Jesus to it. No, Jesus says those who will go to heaven are those who do the will of the Father. Isn't that what he says in Matthew 7, verse 21? Notice he says, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, you got to do something. 
He who does the will of my Father who's in heaven will enter. Jesus says that those who go to heaven are those who do more than just call him Lord. They do more than just religious things like you find in verse 22 and attach the name of Jesus to those things. No, Jesus says the only people who will go to heaven are those who do the will of the Father, those who do his will that is found in his word. Now, let's get to the main thing we want to talk about before we close our video. I want you to look now at Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 21 through 29. After Jesus says in verse 23 that those who don't do his will on the judgment day, they're going to be lost. They're going to be told to depart from him. In verse 24, he brings that point home by telling a parable. He tells a parable. He tells a parable that is designed to wrap up this great theme that is found in this sermon. The theme of authentic discipleship. The theme of what we must do for our righteousness to exceed the quote-unquote righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees at that time. That's found in Matthew 5 and verse 20. This whole sermon is really, really a shot at the corrupt religious leaders of his day. Here, as Jesus wraps up this sermon, Jesus brings these points home. He makes the point of his sermon crystal clear by telling a parable. He tells the parable of the two builders. The two builders. Will you read with me what the scripture says? Matthew 7, 24. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, therefore, because of everything I've said up to this point, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great, great was its fall. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished these words, when he finished this parable, when he finished this great and famous sermon, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? Verse 29, for he was teaching them as one having authority, as one saying, you must listen to me. I'm not just a man. I am God as well. He taught as one having the authority of God. And not as their scribes, not as people who were just mere men. Notice carefully. What Jesus teaches in this powerful parable as he concludes what is the most powerful and famous sermon in the world. First, 
Notice this. Notice how in this sermon, Jesus is teaching us that when it comes to me and you, when it comes to us and every person, every person has a choice to make. We all have choices to make. We all have choices before us, and the choices are this. Are we going to be wise? Are you going to be wise, or are you going to be foolish? Are you going to be wise, or are you going to be foolish? Who are the wise? Well, according to Jesus, in this, in this text, in this parable, the wise man or the wise woman is someone who does two things. First, Jesus says, Jesus says they hear. They hear his words. They hear his gospel. That's what you're doing right now. You're hearing the words of Jesus. You're hearing the gospel. You're hearing the words of eternal life. But not only must you hear the words of Jesus, not only must you hear the gospel or hear the words of eternal life, but if you're really going to be a wise person, you also got to do something else. You also have to act on his words. You also have to obey him. You also have to do what he has commanded. Notice again, therefore, everyone who hears these words and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus says the truly wise person is the person who does two things. He hears Jesus, he hears the gospel, but he doesn't just hear it, he acts. He obeys. He does what the Lord has required. This is a principle that is taught throughout the New Testament scriptures. Can I just show you a couple? Jot these down. James chapter 1. You probably know where I'm going, don't you? James chapter 1. James 1.21. James, the Lord's half-brother. James 1.21. He says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, this is once you become a Christian, in humility, humility, receive the word, the word of God, the words of Jesus, which is able to save your souls. Now look at verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word. Isn't that what Jesus is saying in Matthew 7? Acting, doing the same thing. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, that is a reference to the gospel through the law of Christ, through the gospel, we are liberated from our sins when we obey it. But, when, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. He'll be blessed in what he does, being a, an effectual doer, not just a hearer. 
want you to go now to Hebrews. Keep that thought. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. Hebrews 5 and verse 8. The Hebrews writer says, although he, referring to the Lord Jesus, was a son, he learned obedience. The Lord was also an obedient servant to the Father when he was on the earth. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered and having been made perfect, that is perfectly qualified to be the Savior, he became to all those who obey him. Notice the idea of obedience. He became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Do you see the point? Do you see how what James taught in James 1 and what the Hebrews writer teaches here in Hebrews 5 is the same thing that the Lord is teaching in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7 and verse 24, Jesus says that the wise person, the truly wise person, is the person who not only hears his word, but he also acts on it. He also obeys, he takes action on the words of Jesus, Jesus says that the person who both hears and acts may be compared to someone who built his house on a rock. The idea of building a house on a rock is the idea of building a house or your life in this case on a solid foundation. Building your house or your life on a strong foundation. Building your life on the teachings of Jesus. Building your life on the teaching of the one who is the source of eternal life. Let me tell you something. When you build your life on the teachings of Jesus, when you build your spiritual house on a rock or the rock, which is Jesus, like a physical house that is built on a solid foundation? When it comes to your life, when it comes to your house, no matter what comes your way, no matter what storms come your way, no matter what temptations the devil puts in front of you, no matter what happens to you, in your health, no matter what persecutions come your way, no matter what kind of discouragements you have to endure in this life, when you build your house on the spiritual rock of Jesus, when the storms come and they will come, guess what, what your condition is going to be? You're still going to be standing. You're still going to be strong. You're still going to have the stability you need. Make it to heaven. Jesus says that the wise person, the truly wise person, is the person who hears his word, hears his teachings, but doesn't just let those teachings go in one ear, not the other. Instead, they also act on his teachings. They obey him. That person is comparable to a wise man who built his house on a rock. He has a solid foundation. But then, when we get to the next part of this text, Jesus contrasts the wise man with the foolish man, doesn't he? 
He talks about the foolish man, beginning with verse number 26. And who is the foolish man? Well, the foolish man is obviously the person who does the opposite of the wise man. Jesus says the foolish man is the person who hears his word. He may hear the gospel. He may hear dozens and dozens of sermons and, and dozens and dozens of Bible classes and online lessons, but he never acts on those things. He never obeys those teachings. He never truly puts the words of the Lord into practice. He hears, but he, do, he doesn't do anything else but hear. He's not a doer. Jesus says that the person who merely hears the truth is comparable to the person who builds a house but doesn't build it on a solid foundation. He doesn't build it on a rock. In this case, he really doesn't build his life on Jesus. Instead, he builds it on spiritual sand. He builds it on a very poor foundation. He builds or revolves his life around money. Or false teaching. Or merely what his parents or his friends tell him what is right. Or human wisdom. Or maybe he just revolves and centers his life on himself. You see, when it comes to centering your life or building your life upon money, false teaching and human wisdom and even yourself, that's building your life on sand. That's making sand your foundation. You are building your life on things that are uncertain and won't get you to heaven. You see, when you build your life on a weak foundation, when you build your life on the foundation of spiritual sand, just like a physical house that has a weak foundation, when the storms come your way, and they will come, when the bad health comes, when a pandemic comes, when people in your life start persecuting you because you're a Christian, when your relationships start to get rocky and, and when they start to break down, When these kinds of things start happening to you, when your life is not built on a solid foundation, guess what's going to happen? Your life will fall apart. Your life will crumble. Your spiritual life will suffer. You're ultimately going to lose your spiritual life when this life is no more. That's what happens to people who build their lives on a weak foundation and not the rock, which is Jesus. This parable in Matthew 7, it's not a difficult parable to understand. It's not like the parable of the unrighteous steward. It's an easy parable to understand. It's very, very simple, and yet it's very, very challenging. 
is very, very convicting and powerful. It is a parable that challenges every single one of us to ask ourselves the question of, what kind of builder am I? As I evaluate my life right now, what kind of builder am I? Am I a wise spiritual builder or am I a foolish spiritual builder? Right now in my life, as I'm living during this pandemic, as I live in a world that is just totally crazy and just seems like it's falling apart every single day, do I have a solid foundation? Have I built every aspect of my life on the teachings of Jesus? Have I built my life, my, my marriage on the teachings of Jesus? Is Jesus the foundation of my marriage? Is he the foundation of my parenting? Is he the foundation of my morals and my ethics? Is he the foundation of my religion? Is he the foundation of, of every aspect of my life? Or is my life really built on sand right now? Is my life built on my own human wisdom or false teaching or what is being said in the media or politicians? Is my life, is the, is the foundation of my life those things or is it Jesus? What kind of foundation do I have right now? I want to submit to you that right now, me and you, I don't care who's watching right now. I don't care what state you live in. I don't care what country you live in right now. Right now, we are all building our lives either on the spiritual rock, which is Jesus, or on spiritual sand, which is anything that is not Jesus. Right now, we're all spiritual builders. And according to Jesus, only when we build our lives on him and his teachings, where we have true stability and rock-solid faith and will we be able to go to heaven when this world is no more? Please build your life on Jesus. Build your life on his teachings. Know that when you build your life on Jesus, when you truly make him the foundation for every aspect of your life, you have everything you need. It doesn't matter what may take place in this world. Now that wraps up, brothers and sisters, this series on the parables of Jesus. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for studying with me over the past few weeks. This is the 58th Bible class video I have done. Uh, almost since this pandemic has begun in 2020. And I appreciate all of you who've been studying with me over the past several months. Over the past several months, we've studied Hebrews in these classes, 2 Peter, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We did a series on Matthew 24. We did a series on... The Bible lands called Jesus Walks. We did a series on the missionary journeys of Paul, and now we've done a series on the parables of Jesus that have been designed to help us stay focused on our theme this year, which is experiencing the fullness of Christ. 
I've truly enjoyed it, and I feel like I've been able to grow some spiritually over the past few months. But thankfully, and I'm very excited to say that this coming Sunday, October the 18th, here at the Monta Vista Church of Christ, we will begin our in-person Bible classes. We're going to begin a series of lessons that's going to take us through the end of the year and into the first part of next year, Lord willing, that's going to be about the last week of Christ. There was a lot that went on in the last week of Christ, and we're going to be studying that in the auditorium. Our teens are going to be studying that, and so I am just excited about our in-person classes that are going to be beginning this coming Sunday. I want you to also know that we will be recording those, those classes. The class is going to take place in the auditorium, and so be on the lookout for that if you're unable to get out for whatever reason. But again, thank you for studying with me. May God bless you. May God keep you. Always center your life on Jesus, and if you do that, you're going to make it to heaven because Jesus is the only way to heaven.